like that. You want to try Hello, that. one and all, and welcome like to this Monday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. This 4th of July edition of the Logan Blackman Show. To be 100% honest with you, I didn't think I was going to be here recording an episode today, but yet here we are, which is always a very exciting time. We are coming off another impressive United States men's national team win over a Caribbean country, this time coming against Trinidad and Tobago. Jesus Ferreira scores his second hat trick in consecutive games, making him or giving him three hat tricks for his United States career, tying him with Landon Donovan for the most hat tricks in United States men's national team history. So again, whatever you feel about Jesus Ferreira, that deserves a round of applause. So we'll start off the show getting a round of applause to Jesus Ferreira. He deserves it. He deserves it. He's been absolutely on fire these past couple of games. And we'll go a little bit more in-depthly about the United States' most recent win against Trinidad and Tobago, which saw them finish atop of Group A on goal difference. Because remember, they drew, they drew that first game against Jamaica, thanks to a late goal by Brandon Vasquez. And then they won 6-0 against St. Kitts and Nevis, and they won today 6-0. So that put him on top of the group with a plus 12 goal differential. I believe Jamaica's was a plus 8. Just goals galore in Group A for the top two teams who are going into the knockout stage considered one of the many favorites for the rest of this tournament. The others being like Mexico in that in that group as well. Guadalupe have looked very solid as well. So we'll have to wait and see. I got Mexico versus Qatar on my TV right now. So we'll follow that game along. It's about ready to start. They're releasing the starting lineups right now. We'll get to that in a little bit. But again... Let's go over the housekeeping items first. Make sure you follow the Logan Blackman Show on every single form of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and, of course, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can find me on Twitter at Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram account is BlackmanLogan, with the show's Instagram account being the Logan Blackman Show 1. Facebook and YouTube, search Logan Blackman Show. Make sure you like and follow the Facebook page, and make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. We have reached 65 subscribers on the YouTube channel. I greatly appreciate it if you would subscribe there and also watch our United States Men's National Team's Gold Cup previews. I was doing a little bit of a, a social experiment, I guess you could say, with some of the titles of the most recent ones. We had St. Kitts and Nevis, and we had Trinidad and Tobago. So I decided to do and for the St. Kitts and Nevis video and then the the little squiggly thing. I don't, the, the, you know what I'm talking about, the and squiggly thing for Trinidad and Tobago. Posted a day later, it was posted a day sooner to the game, I guess you could say, than the St. Kitts and Nevis one, but it's almost a rat, uh, almost got the same amount of views. I was trying to think of a word that would <laughs> make the most sense there, but almost got the same amount of views of that. So maybe that'll be the, the recipe going forward. Well, time will tell. But the most important thing here, again, make sure you follow the Logan Blackman Show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I greatly appreciate it. Make sure to, again, leave a rating out of five stars on both. You can leave a one star rating or a five star rating. Of course, I would appreciate a five star rating. But you can leave a one-star rating if you don't think the show is at the par. And uh, just make sure you leave a description down below on why you feel the way you do. And we will try to improve or continue doing what we are doing on the show. I hope you enjoyed uh, Friday's episode with Brady. I enjoyed it. We did a Guess the Player, which is something that I texted him about that day. <laughs> about about uh, just a little segment we could do. And I thought that was fun. So I'm going to try and make that a, a, a constant theme when I have a guest on is Guess the Player. So we'll have two players. For those of you who didn't catch what the rules were, we have two players, each of us, and we give three clues, and the other person is only allowed to ask yes or no questions to try and decipher who the other person is. And it, it's kind of like 20 questions, not technically 20 questions, because you have up to like a million questions until you give up. But, you know, it's it's the same general principle of 20 questions. But that's not what we're here to talk about today. But if you want to go listen to that show, you can. It's on the Logan Blavin Show and all those different forms of social media and, of course, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. But the main thing we want to talk about here today is the United States' most recent win against Trinidad and Tobago. Again, 6 nothing 
which I'm to be 100% honest with you, I'm kind of surprised about. Like, I thought the United States would win this game comfortably. I didn't think Trinidad and Tobago would score. They had their opportunities in this game. They had an opportunity early on in the game before the United States scored, or it was like right after Jesus Ferrer scored the first goal of the game in like the 14th minute. And then they had a shot absolutely smash off the bar, or off the 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 post, sorry. Not the crossbar. They dented the crossbar. I did it again. Dented the post. Absolutely dented the post. It looked like Matt Turner originally got a hand on it, but when you watch the replay, he just got beat. He just got absolutely beat on that play, and what a strike it would have been. Maybe it would have allowed Trinidad Tobago to get somewhat back in the game, but 6 nothing. They absolutely dominated that game. I expected the United States to beat like St. Kitts and Nevis like 5 6 nothing as well, but Trinidad Tobago, they beat St. Kitts and Nevis 3 nothing with relative ease and could have had more goals in that game. So it was kind of like, oh, well, they beat St. Kitts and Nevis 6 nothing. Maybe they'll beat Trinidad and Tobago 6 3 nothing. I did not think another 6 0 drubbing would be on the cards, not to mention a first half hat trick for Jesus Ferreira, who played the entire 90 minutes. Like, he had a, an absolutely great game for the United States. And that's what you like to see. That's really what you like to see is a player playing well. <laughs> a player that gets scrutinized quite a bit by a lot of the fans out there, and sometimes including me, performing well, kind of proving people wrong. And you've noticed this throughout the entire tournament so far for the United States. Jesus Ferreira really has been the best player on the pitch for the United States, apart from like Matt Turner. But uh, from the outfield player's perspective, you could even say that in the Jamaica game, even though the service wasn't there. The Jamaica game, he was probably the best player on the field. So you can tell he deserves to be involved with the number one or the A team for the United States. But the question starts to arise when it comes to Jesus Ferreira is what his role is. Because in this side set of team, like this team, he is a very solid false nine. He's not a natural striker. He's not a natural striker. You see him drop into the midfield. You see him drip, dip out to the right. Like, there were times him and Alejandro Zendejas, and we'll get to him in a little bit, him and Alejandro Zendejas would rotate in and out between the central position and the outside position. He's not a natural striker, which is what they have Brandon Vasquez in for, which they'll bring him in randomly throughout the game, like the 65th minute, I think, so when, he, when he went in today. But he's, he's effective. He is effective. And I, I want to see him play a more withdrawn role. I want to see him play as a number 10 at some point. But so far this tournament, they've had absolutely no answers for him. And when he has the ball in the box, and Stu Holden's pointed this out numerous times throughout the broadcast these past two games, is that he's got a, such a quick touch in the box. He's got a quick trigger to where the ball gets played on the ground to him. It's a turn, fire. It's just instant. It's so quick. He's so aware of what's around him when he's in the box, which is not something that has really been said about Brandon Vasquez with the United States. FC Cincinnati is a completely different thing. That's why he's getting linked with moves like Bruce and Munch and Gladbach and teams like that. Which we'll see if that move actually materializes because they had all the personal terms agreed, but FC Cincinnati acts the deal off because they're trying to make a you know a title charge, essentially a playoff push, and they don't want to lose their starting player, their best player, in the middle of the season. That that's not really great, especially when you have teams in their conference like Inter Miami that are adding the likes of Lionel Messi. Uh, Sergio Busquets, Jordi Alba, Tata Martino, like they're adding more players. Sure, they're last place now, but it's crazy to think that Inter-Miami would not be in the upper echelon of the Eastern Conference, if not the entire MLS, by adding a dude that could win the Ballon d'Or come December or November, whenever the Ballon d'Or ceremony is. Like, it's crazy to think that. So it's going to be a nice little push for Inter-Miami and FC Cincinnati and all those Eastern Conference teams there as well. But hey, fun stuff. Fun stuff. And for Jesus Ferreira, he's been scoring goals for fun for FC Dallas for the past few years. 
and we talked about earlier where he's the fastest player to in the in the latest video we did with the United States being when he talked about the preview for the United States and Trinidad and Tobago. We discussed the fact that Jesus Ferrer is the fastest player in United States men's national team history to reach 20 goal or 10 goals. And now he's just scored back-to-back hat-tricks. I don't know if I heard this right. It might be the first time a United States men's national team player has scored a hat-trick in back-to-back games. And it, yes, it's against Trinidad and Tobago, and it's against St. Kitts and Nevis. Not necessarily the biggest, like, upper echelon of teams you could play. Not the biggest names, not the best teams you could play. But you can only really beat what's in front of you. But the problem is that I've had with Hayes Ferrer, and a lot of people have had problems with Hayes Ferrer, is that you have these games like this, and against Sinkins and Nevis, and all these Caribbean teams where he absolutely dominates. Like, this is, he scores goals for fun against likes of Trinidad Tobago, Granada, St. Kitts and Nevis. Like, he just scores goals for fun against the Caribbean nations. But he has yet to do it when the United States is playing the likes of Mexico, even Mexico. But then you've got the other teams that they're playing, like against the Netherlands. He got subbed off at halftime. Maybe that was unfair to sub him off at halftime, but he never really got anything going in the game. Like, apart from these games against these minnow countries, I guess, from a soccer standpoint, and even just a size population standpoint, we need to see more. Like, it's nice seeing it with this, but it's the same thing like when you saw the United, the Iowa Hawkeyes go undefeated in 2016, 2015, 16. It was like that. Because you had an Iowa team that was undefeated, but you had Colin Coward call him the fake ID of college football. And it's like, well, hell, you can only beat what's in front of you, but everybody wants to see what Iowa can do when they play a quote-unquote real team. Because that schedule, like Brady and I talked about on Friday's show, like the schedule this year, it's relatively easy. Iowa's got a few hiccups in there, like Penn State will be a tough game. Wisconsin's going to be better with Luke Fickle and Tanner Mordecai and Braylon Allen, obviously. Then you got Purdue, who's been a heel in Iowa's side for years now. But it's a relatively easy schedule. But when you see these teams, like Iowa, want, people want to see what Iowa can do against these real teams. They're undefeated. They want to see how they do. They lose to Michigan State, and they get ass-blasted by Christian McCaffrey and Stanford in the Rose Bowl. So people kind of lost all respect for Iowa during that season. And after that offseason, it was kind of hard for Iowa to gain that national respect back that they had gained over the past 20-odd years Kirk Ferentz had been there. So it's just an odd thing for you. Like, we need to see it against the teams that actually matter. This was a game that I don't care who was up top for the United States. Maybe they wouldn't score a hat trick. I don't want to make it sound like any striker the United States would have put out there would have scored a hat trick. I don't think Josie Altador would have scored a hat trick today, given the current state of things. Bobby Wood, I don't think would have scored a hat trick. So Hayes Freire deserves respect for that aspect, but the United States was lo- winning this game whether Hayes Freire was in the team or not. And again, I think Jesus Ferrer is extremely important to how this team plays. This current squad, he's the best player on the field for this United States team. And you can make arguments for like, like Miles Robinson, he got his first minutes of the Gold Cup. He was coming back from injuries from the Nations League. He got his first minutes, got subbed off at halftime. You look at Brian Reynolds, who's had great back-to-back games. Brian Reynolds' runs on the back post are ridiculous this tournament. Jordi Mihaljevic, Gianluca Busio have played great the past two games. But for, and Jalen Neal, one of the he's slowly becoming one of the best center backs the United States has at their disposal with this tournament. And this is the center back part, and this is the back line that I would love to see for the rest of the tournament, the team that they started with. The likes of Brian Reynolds, Miles Robinson, Jalen Neal, and Dewan Jones. That's the back line I want to see for the rest of the tournament. So let's keep going with that. But again, Hazel Ferrer is probably the best player on this team. And that's why he's constantly in the discussion about being the A-team starting striker. But, 
and this is a big but, how does he compare to the likes of Florian Balogun, Ricardo Pepe, Josh Sargent, Daryl DK, Haji Wright, like players over in Europe. And there's going to be that MLS quote-unquote bias, I guess. And I've I've displayed it a few times. I'm not going to sit here and act like I haven't, where it's like, hey, I want the the best players for the United States are playing over in Europe. There's a, a thing of stagnation and comfortability with the United States players that currently play in the U.S. that are considered top players for their country, like Jordan Morris, Christian Roldan, uh, like players like that. We want to see the best players get coached by the best coaches, which just aren't in the MLS yet. And that's that's going to come with time because the MLS is only 25 years old, 20, 25 years old. How many leagues from across the world were producing insane levels of talent in their 20th, 20th season, 20th, 25th season? It rarely happens. So they've got infrastructure over in Europe that the United States just hasn't had because that comes with time. So the likes of Balogun, the likes of Pepe, they're getting that education. Pepe and Ferreira played together on FC Dallas. Pepe left and Ferreira's still there. And Pepe had his note, his ups and downs. He was the uh, highest, what was it, the highest fee ever spent on a North American player was him going to Augsburg. I think it was like $20 million or something like that. And he struggled there, didn't get game time, struggled early at Groningen, and now he's about to get a big-time move to PSV. So we'll see how that move works out for him. I think that'd be a fantastic move. He's been playing great in the Eredivisie, which is the Dutch league, for those of you who don't know. Balogun was in the top 10 goal scorers in Europe this year. In Europe. Not just in Ligue 1 in France. In the entire continent of Europe. He had 20 goals this season. He's the highest goal tally an American player has ever had over in Europe. And he had that tally already, because I think Clint Dempsey held the record originally with 17, and he didn't commit to the United States when he was already on 18, so he already had the record, but it was just a matter of fact when he was actually going to commit. So you see the likes of Alexi Laws saying that he can compete with with Balogun, with Pepe. I wouldn't say that. I think both of them are better. I think both of them are natural strikers, which if that's what, if you want to play with a false nine, that's up to you. It doesn't bother me if you want to, but you got to fully commit to it. Because the problem that it, with this United States team is, and you saw in the first game, they're trying to play balls over the top and cross balls in the box. We don't have the facilities to have the striker head the ball in, especially when the five foot eight striker like Hayes Ferrer, who's not a natural, natural, natural striker, is playing. If you had a guy like Brandon Vasquez or Haji Wright, then yeah, do that by all means. But you need to have these balls driven on the ground. You see the first goal for Hayes Ferrer. Dewan Jones played it on the ground. Brian Reynolds played a lot of balls across the box on the ground. That's what you need to do. You can't play these overarching balls. It's just not going to work. And Ferrer, with how much he drops back and how much he rotates around, you don't have that guaranteed presence in the middle. And that's a problem when you see, like, if you're not, if you're not trying to play that way. If you are, that's fine. But you see that was a problem with, like, Sweden and Poland for years because Robert Lewandowski and Zlatan would just drop back and they would take away their goal presence because they had nobody else to score the goals. They would just drop back completely. And I know it's a completely different scenario here, but still, he's dropping back so much you don't have that option. But with teams like Trinidad Tobago, like San Quintanivas, he will still have those opportunities. So if I was ranking the current pool of U.S. strikers, I'd put him at number three. I'd put him at three. I'd put him behind Balogun. I'd put him behind Pepe. But I'd have him at three. I'd have him above Sargent. I'd have him above, D- above DK. Uh, Haji Wright. Jordan Pifak. I'd have him above all those guys. But the top two, I, you just see it more against, you know, you saw Ricard, uh, 
Florian Balogun score in the Nations League final? Have we seen Jesus Ferrer really step up in those situations? We saw him score in World Cup qualifying, but we haven't seen it score against the top teams in CONCACAF and the top teams that they play. Even in friendlies, we haven't really seen it. So I just need to see it against real competition. Because I think he's talented. I think he's got an eye for goal. He loves to drop back. He loves to get involved with everything. Like even when, when Brandon Vasquez came on, he was playing with Busio as a number eight. He was playing even deeper than a number 10. So if you want him to play as a false nine, you need to play him at the number 10 position. If you want to play him as a striker, you got to keep him up a little bit further. So I, he scores. He's effective in these games. But I'd put him at three. I don't agree with Alexi Laws saying he should be challenging for the number one spot because I don't think he should. But you know what? He's going to challenge anyways because Greg Berhalter really likes him. And that's another thing. BJ Callahan, man, he's undefeated in his stint as the United States men's national team head coach. And so far in five games, they have allowed one goal. And that was against Jamaica. They beat Mexico 3-0. They beat Canada 2-0 to win the Nations League. Then they beat St. Geneva 6-0. They beat Trinidad Tobago 6-0. And they draw Jamaica 1-1. So with him in charge, so right now they had a plus 12. They scored 13 goals, had one allowed. You add in the other one. He has, since back Callahan took over, 18 goals scored, one forced. In the Gold Cup in 2021, Burhalter, apart from the game against Martinique, they scored one goal in every game. Just one. And apart from the Canada game, when Shaq Moore scored in the first 20 seconds, a lot of those goals came late in the game, especially in the knockout stage. They came in like the 80th or plus minute in the game. I think every single game in the knockout stage, they scored a goal in the 80th plus minute, and they scored an extra time against Mexico in the final with a Miles Robinson header. So I don't know. I, w- I would love I would have loved to see B.J. Callahan get a longer stint, but we're not going to. We're getting Greg Berhalter ball back. So Ferreira is going to have his opportunity to be the number one guy, even though I think it should be Balogun, then Pepe, and then Ferreira. But Berhalter has shown an affinity for bringing three strikers. So I think all three of them will be involved in some capacity. How much, though, remains to be seen. Now, we talked about this a little bit earlier. I said I was going to bring him up, which sometimes I forget to do this when I say, hey, I'm going to talk about this later, or we'll come back to this, and I'll, I'll forget about it. I was completely spaced off. But Alejandro Zendejas is a very talented player. I think the talent is easily seen from a club-level standpoint. You see what he did at Club, club America. Like He scored, I think it was 11 goals this past season. Like He's a very effective winger. Left-footed winger, cuts it on the right, scores a lot of goals. And the United States don't really have a lot of options or a lot of wingers like that. From the right-hand side. Like, you look at Timothy Weah, he's a right-footed winger. He's more direct. He'll get you down the line. Zendayas is trying to cut in. Zendayas would like to play a little bit more centrally. So you see that a lot. We talk about him rotating with Jesus Ferreira. We talk about that with Alan Senora In the first game against Jamaica, when Senora was playing as the number 10 position, they would rotate in and out. Senora would move to the right. Zendayas would move to the number 10. And they'd keep flipping back and forth the entire game. And then you have the likes of, like, Giovanni Reyna can play on the right. Julian Gressel played on the right. He came in as a substitute for Alejandro Zendejas. They don't have a lot of left-footed right-wingers. So Zendejas is going to be offer different things than the other right-wingers the United States has at their disposal, especially in this current Gold Cup. Because the only other option for the United States on the right, given what we you know can tell, is Julian Gressel. And I didn't really think Julian Gressel would play all that much. Coming into the tournament, he didn't play against Jamaica, came in later against St. Kitts and Nevis, came in today. Both games were blowouts. So who knows if he gets legit minutes when they're needing a goal? 
or they're in dire need of something. I don't know. He has a good set piece on him. He's versatile enough, and he came in for he didn't come in as a right winger the last game. He played came in as right back for the last game. Came as a right winger this time. But Alejandro Zendejas is I don't know. He's trying too much. He's really in his head. And like the talent is there. It is very clear to see that he's talented, but it's just not connecting. There's like a disconnect between the talent and the player we are seeing in the Gold Cup. Like you look at the last however many minutes, 15, 20 minutes of the St. Kitts Nevis game. I think he missed, like, horrifically four to five shots in that game. In the last 25 or 15, 20 minutes of that game. Terrible shots. And there was times where he had players all around him, three other players around him, and he had to look to every single one of them after he skied a shot over the bar and go, sorry, sorry, sorry. Like, I don't know what that was. He's looking to score before trying to pass it off. You saw it again today. Like, he had a shot that was terrible. He had some overlapping runs. Brian Reynolds would make a run down the right side. It was early in the game, and he cut it on his left and just skied it. And he looked back at the ground like if it took a bobble or something, which it didn't. But he he's wanting to score, and that's a confidence thing. He's trying to get his confidence back to top level or to a higher level than what it currently at because he scores goals. That's what he's known for down in Mexico. Not like... He's not an insane, he's not scoring like 25, 30 goals. This isn't like Messi, Ronaldo, and I remember never going like 90 goals or something, but he's not a prolific, like Mohamed Salah-esque or Eden Hazard, people like that, but he wants to score. And that feeling when you score lifts so much of your confidence. Like, it's so nice to have that feeling of, whew, we got the goal. I finally scored. I don't suck. I did score. This is a nice feeling. Now, you can have that same feeling for an assist as well, which reality hits in. He could have like three or four assists this tournament if he just tried to lay it off or a pass to assist to his teammate Gray like it is in 2K would go up just because he passed and someone else got the assist. Like That's what I would just like to That can also boost your confidence. You're involved in the goal. That's what you need. There's something to boost his confidence. So I don't know if BJ Callahan will just keep playing him because if he sees the talent and he goes, that's overarching than the actual performance because we know what he can do. It's just not... Oh, Mexico almost scored. He was out of... I think he was out of bounds anyways. Jimenez was running down the line. Tried to cut it back, but uh, I think he was out first. Sucks. Zadeja's going to be playing for Mexico right now. Let's see. Was he out of bounds? I think he was. Yeah, he's out of bounds. Way out of bounds. But I think that's what he's going to keep doing. I, I would imagine he keeps doing something along those lines just because there is a player there. It's just not working at this point in time. I saw somebody on Twitter going, Zendejas is on Fraud Watch. I, I don't think we're on Fraud Watch just yet. We have seen him play, like, legitly, like, three or four. He's had, I think this was his fifth cap for the United States. Like, we haven't seen it enough to really be put on Fraud Watch here. Granted, yes, these past two games, we talked about Ferreira scoring in these games. And Zendayas is not playing very well in these past two games. Did not, I said, in the game against St. Kitts and Nevis, he had moments. He did have moments in this game. This game, he didn't against Trinidad. He had not a lot of moments. He got subbed off in like the 60-something minute in this game for Julian, Julian Gressel, which I don't think was on his, I don't know, on his bingo card for things that he was expecting to happen in the Gold Cup. He, I don't think he ever thought he'd get subbed out, especially for someone like Julian Gressel. Uh, unless the United States were absolutely dominating game, which they were, but 
because they were going to rest him for the next game, not because he wasn't doing anything. <laughs> He's more of a liability at this point. So we'll see. We'll see. And you see on the left, like Jordan Morris was still recovering from an injury. We had him in our predicted starting 11 I, just because I didn't know if he was going to be able. I saw he was passing away from the team, but... We'll see if he's back the next game, but Christian Roldan started and left. We knew they were going to make a change to the left side, and I brought it up in the video about Christian Roldan possibly coming in on the left, but didn't make the change there. Didn't feel like that would actually happen. They said something in the broadcast is his second ever Gold Cup start. Like, he comes in off the bench a lot. He's one of those spark plug players. But now you saw what Cade Cowell did in this game. He scored a goal. Brilliant individual effort from Cade Cowell on that. He's probably going to become that super sub, at least from what it sounds like. I could be wrong, but you saw what he did against Jamaica. You saw what he did today, and you saw what he did against St. Kitsanevis. They're like night and day differences when he's coming off the bench and when he's coming in when he starts the game. At least in these first three games of the Gold Cup, he, like he's a very good player. He's a very talented player. He's a very prolific player, very skillful player. But so far this Gold Cup, he's looked better coming in off the bench and providing that spark late in the game. Like, he looked so lively against Jamaica, and then when you look at what he did against St. Kitsanevis, it just wasn't there. The liveliness was just gone. And then you saw it again today. The liveliness is back. Oh, Mexico almost scored. Didn't, though. Was it Jimenez again? Yes, it was. Crossed into the box, low-driven cross, just missed it. But yeah, who knows if Roldan starts the next game? They got a week. July 9th's the next game. And it's the winner of the, the second-place team from Group D, and right now I believe it's Cuba. I believe it's Cuba's the second place team in the in the turn in the in Group D, because Canada's third. <laughs> Canada's third. Oh, it's Guatemala. Cuba's eliminated. Cuba was not the team I was looking for. Guatemala, but Guadalupe again, <laughs> six goals forced. And Guatemala, they have only scored one goal this tournament, and they haven't allowed any. So this could be interesting. Cuba has shipped five and only scored one, but Canada. We did a show while we were watching the Canada versus Guadalupe game. Like, there, there's a... Man, it'd be... It, Canada's not played great this tournament. Canada's had a really rough week. Like, week and a half. Because we had them losing the Gold Cup, or the Nations League final, the United States, getting dominated in that game, 2-0. Yeah, they dominated possession, good on them, but they got dominated in the field and the score sheet. And then you have them going broke, essentially, which I don't know how a national team goes broke when you have no transfer fees. And then you're losing in a group that you should comfortably win. For the current state of Canadian soccer, like past Canada teams, yeah, that's fine. That's expected. Canada's never really been a good soccer team. But now, and I know they didn't bring like Alfonso Davies, Kyle Laren, and Jonathan David, all those guys. But still, you should be able to get out of a group at least with a team with groups of Guadalupe, Guatemala, Canada, or in Cuba. Canada is obviously one of the teams there. So the United States will be facing either Guadalupe, Guatemala, or Canada, because Cuba's already eliminated. So we'll have to see on that. But again, a week. So that would be good for like players like Jordan Morris to get back and fully healthy. And then Aaron Long, I don't know if he's fully healthy or not, but I don't want to see him back. That's <laughs> That was more of a <laughs> get players healthy, but not because I want to see them play. Just to get them healthy just in general. Because you don't want players getting hurt. You don't want players being hurt. So we'll have to see if Aaron Long gets healthy. But again, that back line of Brian Reynolds, Miles Robinson, Jalen Neal, and Dewan Jones, and Matt Turner and Nett, obviously. That has to stay. I think if I had to guess, we're going to see a similar-ish lineup to the game. Again, whoever they play on Sunday, we're well, going to see a similar-ish starting lineup in that game than what we saw today. 
I think the only difference is we might see is the wingers. We might see Gressel and Cowell start. We might see Gressel and Morris start, depending on if he's healthy or not. But Roldan, he used to be a winger back in the day, but he's a central midfielder now, and it's just not there. He missed an easy-ass chance in this game. Like It looked like partially he was trying to let the ball roll through his legs for someone else to finish it. Like Brandon Vasquez did that later in the game for Jean-Luc Abusio, and he scuffed it. But Roldan just absolutely scuffed it. I I hate that Christian Roldan's wearing the ten jersey. I hate it. It is one of the. It's like mixed Discarude wearing the ten jersey. It's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. But unlike Discarude, we didn't know how bad he was at the time. We didn't realize how bad. We know Christian Roldan's not very good when it comes to the United States. He's solid for these Seattle Sounders. I've seen people on Twitter defend like, man, I wish his form for Seattle re- uh, registered when he plays for the United States. Hey. That seems to be a somewhat common occurrence. Chris Wondolowski sucked for the United States. Never did anything for the United States. Missed a goal against Belgium in the World Cup in 2014. He's the MLS's all-time leading goal scorer. You couldn't tell watching him play for the United States, but that is a fact. (laughs) So again, that is another example of MLS players not really being up to standard with the upper echelons of the other teams in the world. But... I would, I'm interested to see if Jordan Morris gets bit back in the starting lineup because I don't think Cal will be back. I think he's going to continue on with Cal coming on as a super sub. So if I had to guess at this point in time, and we got the video will come out either on Friday or Saturday, so let's stay tuned for that. So we got a while to get ready for this video. We don't even know who the United States is playing yet, so it's kind of hard to do a full preview for the game when we don't even know who they're playing. Like the last group games for this are on Tuesday, July 4th, which we'll get to that in a little bit. But Canada versus Cuba, Guatemala versus Guadalupe is in uh, on July 4th. <laughs> I don't know why I had a br- I was reading the stadiums out, and I was like, Red Bull Arena? Like, Canada versus Cuba is playing down at Shell Energy Stadium, which I believe is where the Houston Dynamo play. Yeah. So they're playing down in Houston, and Guadalupe versus Guatemala are playing in Red Bull Arena. I was like, where's that in Houston? Because obviously the New York Red Bulls play in Red Bull Arena. Every Red Bull affiliated team plays in Red Bull Arena. But I kept my eyes weren't really adjusting, and I just kept reading Houston. Red Bull Arena in Houston. But then I read it, Harrison, because it's in New Jersey. Like every stupid New York City team, they don't actually play in New York. They play in New Jersey. Now, New York City FC, they play in Yankee Stadium, which is stupid. But we'll see if they actually go if they actually play in New York when they get a new stadium. But that will tell. But yeah, I'd imagine that the United States goes somewhat similar and goes like Turner Nett, Reynolds, Robinson, Neal, Jones. Midfield three, I would just keep that the same. No reason to change that. They've all been playing pretty well, especially Aaron, Aiden Morris just withdrew from the team for personal reasons. So hopefully all that gets sorted out for him. I don't know what it is, but just hope everything works out there. And you got midfield three of Sands, Mihailovic, and Busio, And then a front three, Ferreira at number nine. I mean, that's kind of a, a that's going to be a staple here. And then Jordan Moore is probably on the left and maybe Gressel on the right. But I Gressel's nowhere near as talented as Zendejas. So I would imagine Zendejas keeps his spot. And maybe there's a shorter lease this time. Maybe the lease will just keep getting shorter for Zendejas because if he doesn't start performing. So we'll have to see. We'll have to see on that. But it's been a fun tournament so far for a relatively weak side. And you can make an argument this squad's even weaker than the last Gold Cup squad. And the last Gold Cup squad was absolutely nothing to sniff at either. But there's some players making their presence known, like Brian Reynolds. He's had a great tournament, kind of got lost at sea, to say, for a little bit for the United States. Whether it was at club level or for national team, kind of got lost. And you're seeing players like Dewan Jones make a name for Jalen Neal's playing extremely well. 
James Sands needed this for the national team because he had a really rough time at Rangers. Busio, it's nice to see him back in the national team. He's had a great past couple games for the United States. Like, there's players that have seized these opportunities, and Mexico took a free kick and a foul on Mexico in the box, and it's a free kick for Qatar. CONCACAF regulars Qatar. If I had to rate this United States performances so far this Gold Cup, I think it's a better performance base than what we saw. But to be fair to the 2021 Gold Cup, they weren't really playing. They had Canada in their group. They had Haiti in their group. They had Martinique in their group, which is the weak team. Like, Haiti and Canada are solid teams. They are solid teams. St. Kitts and Evis and Trinidad and Tobago aren't. (laughs) It's a little bit of a drop-off there. Like, Canada was building momentum there. And they brought solid players to the Gold Cup last year. So, it was... Alfonso Davies was going to play. He withdrew due to an injury. But they brought a solid team. That group's a little bit more difficult than this one because they don't have a St. Kitts and Nevis who was making their first ever Gold Cup. Maybe Martinique made their first Gold Cup appearance, but they didn't have a Trinidad-Tobago to follow that game up. But it's been more enjoyable. That first game was unwatchable in the first half, played better in the second half, and these past two games have been really fun. Nothing to really write home about in regards to... Well, they can improve on because these are games where you should realistically win combined 10-0. And they won combined 12-0, so that's even better. So, yeah. And if you're looking at the squad, like, who could break in, per se, into the A-team? So, the A-team, like, you would have locks for the A-team. You know, a lot of those players from the Nations League final are in the A-team. So, you've got, like, Matt Turner's the A-team. He's in the number one spot. Horvath is in the A-team. He's the number two spot. And then you're looking, like, Stefan... Cavalier, or a Cavalier, uh, Stefan, Selena, Sonina, sorry, uh, Drake Callender was in the Nations League Cup Final, uh, Josh Cohen was in the Nations League squad, so you've got other options, but I would say Horvath and Turner are the top two guys right now, and then you've got the likes of Sergio Dest is in the A-team, uh, Anthony Robinson is in the A-team, Joe Scaly is in the A-team, Chris Richards is in the A-team, uh, Tim Ream is in the A-team, I would throw... This is my A-team. So you could say, like, Walker Zimmerman's in the A-team, too. Miles Robinson, I would say, is in the A-team. So there's eight players right now. So you got, like, two or three players in this current squad that are in the A-team already. Then in the midfield... Did I say Tim Ream? I think I said Tim Ream. I'm pretty confident I said Tim Ream. We got McKinney, Musa. So there's ten. Reyna, De La Torre is in the A-team. So those are... That's twelve. Right there. Tyler Adams in the A-team, so there's 13. In the forward department, we got Pulisic, Aronson, Tim Weah, Pepe, Balligan. So that's 18. So realistically, and that's just the ones I could think of off the top of my head, really. So there's 18. You've got five more spots to fill there. And then you've got, like, Jesus Ferrer, you can make an argument in the A-team. Alejandro Zendayas, before the tournament, a lot of people would consider it in the A-team. I don't know how many people would say that now. But I think players like Busio are making a case for that. He's played really well this tournament. These United States appearances, he doesn't play a, like, start a ton at club level, but for the United States, he's never, he's rarely put a foot wrong for the national team. Played great against St. Kitts and Nevis, played great today. He could be someone you mentioned in there. Then you've got, like, Brian Reynolds is someone you could mention in there. The United States brought three right backs to the World Cup. Maybe they do the same thing there. Maybe they do it, or no. They brought four. (laughs) They brought four right backs. Jalen Neal. I think someone that's definitely put a na- put his name out there. Jordi Mihailovic, I think a lot of people already had him considered up there, but 
He's made a nice, he made a nice couple little performances. He didn't put forth the statistical output that we saw in the first game that he started against St. Kitts and Nevis, but he still played well in this game. But Cade Cal, another one, and not really so much this tournament, but in the spurts that he's coming off the bench, he's looked really good. But just as a starter, it's a little bit different story. So like, yeah, like in the last Gold Cup, we saw numerous players make it. Like Miles Robinson, he was like. We might have one of our best center backs right now. Matt Turner, his second ever appearance was in their first group stage game. Like, the, he's only made one appearance prior to the Gold Cup. Then you've got Shaq Moore made the World Cup. He put himself out there. Daryl DK was another one that kind of put himself out there. He didn't do a whole lot in the Gold Cup, and he was already building off a good season for Barnsley. But he was another player in that, you know, in that squad. Walker Zimmerman kind of made himself a ever-present figure for the United States in the Gold Cup. So like, there were specific players that played well in the Gold Cup and have built on that success. Like Matt Turner has 29 appearances in the United States since then. Or 28 appearances since before the start of the Gold Cup. He has made 28 appearances. And he has, what, 20 clean sheets? 21 clean sheets? Like, it's freaking ridiculous what he has done for the United States. And it might be 30. It might be 30 because DeAndre Yedlin just made his 80th appearance. And he is on pace... Now, this could change. This could change if he gets a goal later in the tournament, in this next game. The record for a United States player, longest-serving player to never score a goal was 81. He is at 80 caps with no goals. So he needs two more games not to score to tie the all-time record. Or to beat the all-time record. He needs one more game to tie it. So we'll see if he gets into the next game. If he starts the next game, I would just keep running with Brian Reynolds. He's played awesome. Keep running with Brian Reynolds. And hopefully this tournament gets the attention of Jose Mourinho and he starts getting some playing time over at Roma. That's what I really want to see. I want to see this performance really boost him up in the eyes of Jose Mourinho. So we'll see. Because who's their current right back now? They got Rick Karsdorp, Karsdorp, the Dutch right back. He's there. Who else would you consider one of their right backs? Because they play three at the back. Who played at the back in their, their Europa League final against Sevilla? I think it might have been Karsdorp. And Karsdorp's 28. He ain't getting any younger. He ain't getting. I don't even know if he started last season at right back. He. I just know he's a right back. Who would have been right back for them? Am I missing someone completely? I'm gonna look up Euro. Oh wait, what have been on this team? Yeah, Europa League final. Hold up. Europa League. I cannot remember who played right back for him. I'm completely blanking on who played right back. Kelik, Romain or uh, Romain Turkish right back. Selic, he's 26. Okay, that's not that's a little bit younger. <laughs> a little bit younger, but he started in the tournament for them. So maybe Brian Reynolds could take his spot. Brian Reynolds is bigger. Brian Reynolds again, six foot three. This guy's only a puny five foot eleven. He can kick his ass and he's American. Now Selic could help Brian Reynolds when it comes to hair transplants if Brian Reynolds ever needs one. So that would be their trade-off there. You give me the starting role. Well, I guess no, that would be in that would be in Selic's player, wouldn't it? You give me the starting role, I'll give you a hair transplant. Or help get you one set up. But I've had I've enjoyed watching this tournament. It's been a fun one. So we'll have another preview coming up for you again, either on Friday or Saturday. I don't really have a exact timetable on when that video is going to come out, but that's what we're going to probably film it on Wednesday. Probably on Wednesday. We'll try to get something out for you for a podcast on Thursday or Friday, sorry. I don't know if Brady will be back on or not, or if we'll do a solo show again. But We'll see. We're not going to have one Wednesday. Fourth of July is Tuesday. So we're not going to have one Wednesday. We're going to be busy all day. 
I thought I would be busy today. I went frisbee golfing in the morning, but that was pretty much all I did. Apart from that, kind of been sitting around, went to the mall today. That was pretty fun, pretty exciting. I got called out by one of the kiosk guys. It was one of the shoe shining places, which I've been roped into before. So I just kept looking at my phone. I knew they yelled at me because I flinched. I hope they didn't see that. I was hoping they didn't sprint after me to go help, go get me to their, buy their shoe shining kit. But man, sucked. Last time I did it, I got one shoe clean and he was like, well, you can buy this. And I was like, well, crap, I don't want to buy it. I appreciate it. I was halfway thinking they were just going to let me leave with just one of my shoes cleaned. And they were dirty ass shoes. And the, the shoes I wore today for Frisbee golf, which we had teams today. Uh, and we lost by one. A sad day. Lost by one. Went to Grandview to play that. But Frisbee golf is fun. Frisbee golf is fun. It almost killed my enjoyment of it when I went to Montana because we played it all the freaking time. And my shoulders got absolutely fried. I've been to Montana twice in the past two years. Trying to get a trip planned this year, but I haven't gotten anything really sorted out yet. I've got a few trips <laughs> so far, so i got to figure out when we can actually get this one in. But the past two times I've gone, I've been absolutely torched. Like, I'm as red, I was as red as, like, the American flag or something like that. I was red as hell. USC's uniforms, Alabama's uniforms, Manchester United's uniforms, uh, Mexican so- Mexico socks. Like, I was red, red. But speaking of the American flag, intentional uh, transition there. Didn't know how I was going to, tra- well, I was talking about the United States, so I, I was going to figure out a way to transition this. But uh, the 4th of July is on Tuesday. 4th of July is Tuesday. So I saw a tier list. It took me for a lot longer to find this than I thought it would. Oh, here's a shot from outside the box saved by Qatar. Qatar has done absolutely nothing in this game except try to play defense. Mexico's been on the attack the entire time. It's We're 26 minutes in, and Mexico have been relatively dominant. What the hell are the statistics so far in this game? Like, I think Mexico might have like 75 or 80% possession. It's got to be close. 70% possession in this game. 69.8% possession is what Mexico has right now. And I'm this the the, the thing I'm looking at is three minutes behind because I'm on I'm on MLSsoccer.com just to look at the stats. I'm watching the game. We're at 26-26 right now. This is still at 23 minutes. So it's probably more than that. But it still hasn't updated yet. But oh and what it, okay, I look down for five seconds and Qatar just scores. So Qatar has been absolutely dominated this entire game. And they just march right down the field in about two seconds on a counterattack and score. This is what I love about soccer, man. It's one of the things I absolutely love about soccer. You can never look away from it. Because I looked down for two seconds to see the stats for what Mexico was doing for for how much possession they had. I looked back up and Guitar sliding a goal past Guillermo Ochoa. What would that mean for the group? I got away from my Gold Cup group. Where is that at? How? What would that mean for the group? Have this? I I guess I missed if he was offsides or not. So this one, Mexico's already advanced. Mexico's already advanced, and they can't. They can't lose. I mean, they can lose the game. It depends on if Haiti beats Honduras or not. That would make things a little bit interesting. So if Haiti beats Honduras, then it's, Qatar can't qualify. Qatar can't qualify if Haiti beats Haiti beats Honduras. But if Haiti loses to Honduras, which I don't really think is likely, but it could happen. I mean, crazier things have happened then Qatar would go through if it stands, if it stands. And that'd be a very precarious situation for Mexico to be in. You beat Haiti 3-1, again, a solid Haiti team. You beat Honduras 4-0, you have a plus six goal difference, and you lose to Qatar, who has <laughs> they got beat by Haiti in the first game. 
late goal in that one, really late goal in that one, and they beat Honduras one one or tie Honduras one one, late goal in that game too. But man, look down for one second, and Qatar scored. But back to what I was originally trying to do before I was so rudely interrupted. Terrible. So Haiti's winning right now, according to this. I don't. I, I'm assuming it's like one nothing or something, because Haiti's still going through to this. So Qatar is going to need to hold this, which based off of how this game has been going with Mexico being on the attack constantly, I don't really know if this result will be able to hold. There's one, one Counterattack goals are nice, but you can't always live and die by that if you're not having at least some possession. So I'd imagine Mexico at least gets two. And then it doesn't matter anyways. Mexico's going to finish atop the group regardless because they got a plus six goal difference. So they're going to finish atop the group, but it's just a matter of how embarrassing it is when you go into the knockout stage. But it, like we've always said, this, this tournament's always designed for the United States and Mexico to meet in the final. So it'd be a little bit upsetting if Mexico did end up losing guitar and uh, Haiti ended up scoring eight goals past Honduras and then Mexico would be a second place team. They'd beat the United States in the second round. Potentially. Potentially. Because I don't want to guarantee anything. But I found this tier list on tiermaker.com, which is where we usually find our tier list. And it's 4th of July foods. 4th of July foods. I think it's a very topical thing because 4th of July, you always get to see the the spreads. People bring out their massive spreads, and Mexico almost scored. Great save. Great save. Jimenez is there again. We've said Jimenez's name a lot. He's been very active this game. But you get to see all the different foods. You get to see the dad's grilling skills, the grilling chops of the head of household, per se. So we'll have to see how that works out for some people. Some people are better at it than others, obviously. Some people stay away from it. Some others run right to it. So we'll have to see. And there's different things on here. So we've got, like, we've got the burgers. We've got the, I don't know what the, uh, there's one on here that's grilled, but I don't know what it is. Is it steak? I think it's steak. Then we got the hot dogs. we got the grilled corn. Like, very Iowan thing right there. But you got S, A, B, C, D tier. And I don't know why this tier took so long to find. Like, 4th of July, the first 4th of July tier list that pops up is 4th of July songs. I didn't know there were 4th of July songs. I just remember uh, Living in America by Jim Brown, James Brown, which is in Rocky Four, and the National Anthem. That, those are the only two. In a, and I'm proud to be American, and the, God, or whatever it's called, God Bless America, whatever, I don't know what it's called. But... Those are the only real songs I know. I didn't know there were, you could make a whole tier list out of it. Like, have multiple songs. Like, this one's got a few. We've got 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 16, 18, 20, 22, 24. 20. we got 26 items here to fill in. So, we'll start off with the grilled items first. I think that's a fair thing. Hamburgers. I think hamburgers are a staple. I think hamburgers go straight nest here. It's easy to mess up a hamburger for some people out there. But a good one is good. And everybody and their mom's going to have a hamburger on the 4th of July. It's like custom in the United States. Steak, if that's what that is, or brat patty, it might be a brat patty, or is it chicken? It's a really weird color. This is why, and it's it's a tier list, so the logos are very small, so I can't tell what it is. I think it's chicken. Now I'm looking at it closer. Do people eat chicken on the 4th of July? Is that a, is that a 4th of July food? Because I love myself from chicken. I make chicken all the freaking time. So I love chicken. But I don't know if I'd, I'd consider it a 4th of July food. Some people out there might be eating chicken on the 4th of July. But, like, hot dogs, that's 4th of July. I'll put that A tier. I don't think it's as good as hamburgers. But I do like myself a hot dog every once in a while. And here's Mexico coming in, crossing the box. And Qatar players run into each other and it's easily saved. 
But I put hot dogs A tier. I don't think they're on the same tier as hamburgers. Hot dogs are definitely easier and more practical to eat. Because you can eat it one hand. It's very rare you're able to eat a hamburger or cheeseburger or whatever with one hand. They're usually a lot bigger. Hot dogs, you know, got the cylindrical shape. Easy to hold in your hand. Nice stuff. Can be messy if you get the too much mustard on there. Screw people that put ketchup on it. Ketchup, I hate ketchup. That is my vice. Ketchup sucks. Or uh, that's not the right way. Vice would be like the thing that I can't, I can't live without. It's my curse. But no, I hate ketchup with a burning passion. And Brady will bring that up at some point. I'm going to leave chicken on the bottom for now. I'm not going to put it in the tier list because I don't really know how to rank that because I don't consider it, I don't eat it on the, I've never had anybody make chicken on the 4th of July. That I can remember. But grilled corn, that's an Iowa thing. I am shocked that it's on here. But yes, that's an Iowa thing. I'll put that B tier. Corn's fine. When you grow up in Iowa, you eat a lot of corn. You eat a lot of corn to the point where uh, it, you can you can lose your, your luster for it, I guess. It doesn't really have an insane taste to it, but grilled corn's nice. Grilled corn is, you know, I might move it up to A. It's on B plus tier. It's on B plus tier. But corn is, grilled corn's nice. And then we got chicken wings. See, I've had chicken wings on the 4th of July. I've had chicken wings on the 4th of July. I like chicken wings. They have to be made right, though. Chicken wings, I'm very peculiar about chicken wings. The first time I went to Buffalo, we went to Duff's and Anchor Bar. And Duff's shits on Anchor Bar. And the second time we went, or third time we went, I guess. Or was it second? Now, third time we went, we went to Bar Bill. Or no, that was, what, did we go there the first, the second time we went? Or was it almost the third time we went? Bar Bill's the best wings I've ever had. So when you come back to Iowa and you're treated to Buffalo Wild Wings, it's a little bit different. And it sucks. Like, you can make bad wings easily. And there's some good wing places around Des Moines. Ask me for my, my wing tier list for Des Moines places anytime soon. But a good, nice, homemade wing is nice. So I'll put that in A tier. But you gotta be careful. You gotta be careful. Okay, there's the brats. I I like brats every once in a while, but I would prefer a hot dog, I guess. I'd put brats in B tier for brat. I, that makes sense. It's like pretty self-explanatory in there. Starts with a B. Brat. B tier. Yeah, makes makes it shish kebab. I don't know how many people make I mean shish kebabs are good. Shish kebabs are good, but I Oh, Header in by Edson Alvarez and over the bar. Shish kebabs are good, but I've never been one to have them on the fourth. I put them in A tier. I like a shish kebab. Can't go wrong with a shish kebab. Grilled vegetables and steak and all that stuff. Yeah, I take shish kebab. I've had it a couple times on the fourth, but I don't really consider it a fourth of July thing. Now we're on to the non-grilled items. And now we're looking at a charcuterie board. Very fourth of July centric theme here. For a charcuterie board. That's S tier. Charcuterie boards are freaking awesome. You know what? We'll put the vegetable tray up there too. Because you can, I find myself, and I don't ever like, man, I really hope someone brings a vegetable tray. But if they bring a vegetable tray, I'm going to be standing there just eating it the entire freaking time. It's like, well, it's there. I'm just going to keep eating it. Not really planning on it, but it's just there. Like you get the carrots, you get the, the tomatoes. Like, the little cherry tomatoes. Like, it's nice. And charcuterie board, you got the crackers, you got the salami, like, the pepperoni, you got salami, you got the cheeses. It's not much. You can't really go wrong there. You can't really go wrong there. Next one. Oh, I, I forgot about one grilled thing. Grilled asparagus. S tier. Love grilled asparagus. Love grilled asparagus. That is literally one of my favorite things ever. Fourth of July or not. Grilled asparagus. It's hard to beat. Vegetable-wise, it's hard to beat some grilled asparagus. Then we've got the... Pasta salad. That might be S tier as well. <laughs> I love pasta salad. 
Pasta salad is delicious. For those of you who don't know what pasta salad is, it's that manicotti pasta. Is that what it's called? The twisty pasta? And it's got, like, those chunks of cheese in it. It's got the chunks of meat in it. It's got the tomatoes in it. It's got the, the like, banana peppers. It's got the olives in it. It's got the, like, the sauces in it. It's delicious. It's hard not to go good with a nice, calm, cool bowl of pasta salad. And then watermelon. S-tier. Love myself some watermelon. Love myself some watermelon. Like, I, it's not really one that I go, this is also a 4th of July staple, but... Man, watermelon is very good. And when it's really hot outside, you just get a nice, cool, calm bowl of watermelon. Oh, beautiful. I eat more watermelon on the 4th of July than I do every other time of the year, pretty much. And while we're on the topic of melons, we're at cantaloupe and then the stupid green one. Um, those can go in... Cantaloupe can go in C tier for cantaloupe, and it ruins all the other flavors. And what's the green one, honeydew? That can go in D tier. This stuff's gross. It's not very good. I don't like either one of those things. And, like, cantaloupe's slightly better than honeydew, but why do they get put in with all the other fruits? It literally just destroys the rest of the fruits there. And you're looking at this next one, a fruit bowl that has strawberries, raspberries, blackberries, and blueberries. Then go straight in A tier. That's very solid stuff. That is very, very solid stuff. So we'll go with that in A tier. And then we've got the chips and dip. So, like, the ruffles with the Anderson Erickson dip. We're going to put that... In uh, A tier? Because it's another similar thing where I'm not, I'm not a, like a big chips and dip person. Not normally anyways. But, you know, I'll, I'll partake when it's around. I rarely go out and like out of my way and go, I'm going to get some chips and dip. But when it's there, I just find myself snacking on it. Same thing with the vegetable thing. But I like the vegetable trays more, a little more than the chips and dip stuff. Lemonade. Oh, that goes S tier. A nice lemonade on the 4th of July. Oh, man. S tier. Then we've got, what else we got here? We got a normal salad. I mean, I like salad. I'll put salad A tier. I, I don't really put salad in, like, 4th of July thing, but I like myself some salad. Where else do we got on? Chips and salsa. Ooh, chips and salsa. There are people that bring a lot of chips and salsa to 4th of July. I'll put that in S tier. Can't go wrong with chips and salsa. Can't go wrong with chips and salsa. What else do we got on here? Baked beans. I'm not a big baked beans person. I'll put baked beans in. You know what? I don't. I don't put. I don't want to put them in candle. I'll put them in B tier for beans. I'll put them in B tier. I like. I like baked beans every once in a while. I'll never crave baked beans. My sister will eat baked beans out of the jar, just like cold baked beans. So I'm not gonna go to that level. I'm not that disgusting or that much of a degenerate. So I won't put them there. But B tier, I think that's a solid spot. Now going to something that's disgusting, that's coleslaw. That goes straight in D tier. Coleslaw is nasty. Coleslaw is disgusting. I don't know. My family all love coleslaw. Don't know why we ain't German. So I don't know why we're having it. My sister got it. We were at dinner for my uncle's birthday. We were at an Italian restaurant getting coleslaw. What? What is that? Stick that son of a bitch in, B, in D tier. Coleslaw, more like coal, just not slaw. It's disgusting. What is this one? Is that potato salad? That has to be potato salad, right? And this might, I know a lot of people are indifferent about potato salad. I love potato salad. I'll put potato salad in <laughs> Potato salad is freaking delicious. And you know what? I'll put a, I'll put chicken in. For 4th of July, I mean, chicken by itself is good. I'll put chicken in A tier. I like chicken. I like chicken a lot, but I put it in A tier. As a 4th of July thing. 
Then we've got mac and cheese or cheesy potatoes because that I'll rank that differently. You know what? I'll stick it. I'll stick it B tier because I think it's mac and cheese. Mac and cheese is fine. I have no real general issue with that. When I was younger, I hated mac and cheese. I've kind of it's kind of grown on me over the years, but we'll put it in B tier. What is this? Is this the other pasta salad? That one's the gross one though. Is that spring salad? My mom and dad make spring salad. I do not like spring salad. I'll put that in C tier. A lot of people in my family like spring salad as well. I'll put that C tier. Now we got s'mores. That's S tier, obviously. We've got ice cream. There's an ice cream van with with the freaking World Trade Center, like one World Trade Center behind it. I don't know why they use that picture, but I don't know. I can't be the only one here that's never actually gotten ice cream from an ice cream truck. So I've never actually experienced that. I've never once been at my house and then heard the ice cream truck rolling through the neighborhood. The only time I've ever had that experience was when I was watching Friday. That's the only time I've ever actually sat down and heard the like the ice cream truck and I saw my dad watching Friday or something like that. So I'm not going to put that anywhere. I've never had an ice cream truck. Never in my life. So I can't even like, I can't say it's not a 4th of July thing. I've never had one in my entire 25 years on this earth. I've never had an, been to an ice cream truck. But man... That's a that's the Fourth of July barbecue tier list, and some things could really get pushed up to S tier, but I had to like even it out, so some things that are S tier are down in A tier. But the S tier, we've got hamburgers, we got a charcuterie board, we got so the vegetable tray, we've got grilled asparagus, we got pasta salad, we got watermelon, we got lemonade, we got chips and salsa, we got potato salad, and we got s'mores. A tier, we got hot dogs, we got chicken wings, we got a nice kebab, we got the bowl of fruit with strawberries, blackberries, blueberries, and raspberries, we got chips and dip, we got normal salad, we got chicken, which could be S tier, but I don't think I've ever actually had it on 4th of July, which is the specific thing of this tier list. B tier, we got grilled corn, we got brats, we got baked beans, we've got mac and cheese, then we got C tier, cantaloupe, and spring salad, and then D tier, and possibly F tier if we had one. I might create three more tiers just to put it even lower. Honeydew and coleslaw. So that is our, ooh, that is our tier list. That is our tier list for you. Love it or leave it, I don't care. I, you can do whatever you want with that tier list. I, that is my personal opinion. I Like, when Justin and I did the tier list, that freaking Long John Silver's thing, that almost scared me off doing tier lists forever. Because he puts Long John Silver's in S tier as his number one thing. Who has, first off, how many people know anybody that actually not only have been to Long John Silver's or know that it's even still open, but the other reason, how many people actually, you know, actually enjoy Long John Silver's? You know, it's a bad thing when the best part of Long John Silver's, because every person I've talked to that likes Long John Silver's, like their chicken's really good. Why are you getting chicken at long? That just shows how bad of a place it is. It's a seafood, fast food place, and you're eating their chicken. You're not even eating the fast food. You're not even eating the seafood. That's disgusting. And fast food, seafood just sounds gross anyways. I'm not a big seafood person. I'm more of a shell. I like shellfish. I like shellfish, but I'm not a big, like, cod or trout or bass or those kind of, like, actual, like, fish. I'm not a big fan of that. But I'll eat shrimp. I'll eat lobster, I'll eat crab, I'll eat that stuff, but not, not, miss me with the normal fish. Miss me with the normal fish. I, we, and we never ate it growing up, so maybe that's the thing. I, I was just never accustomed to it growing up. Mom and dad never grilled that out, and they, my mom doesn't like the smell of it in the house, which is understandable. 
absolutely understandable. When I was at William Penn, my roommate, love him, but my roommate, uh, he, oh, was that a penalty shout? No. My roommate used to make ramen noodles, so he would microwave the ramen noodles, do that, and then on top of that, he would then, after he microwaved the ramen noodles, he would throw sardines in the microwave and then put them in the ramen, ramen noodles. But then, to cap it all off, he would have the sardines trays and just leave them in the garbage can. He wouldn't wash them out. So our room just reeked of sardines. It was disgusting. I had a few friends that didn't go to William Penn smell it. And they went to high school with said roommate. They were like, dude, this is freaking gross. And it was. And it was. We put a kibosh to it rather quick. But again, love him. But man, that was <laughs> absolutely disgusting. Absolutely disgust. Never do that. If you do that, shame on you. Absolutely shame on you. But all those foods that we talked about, they're all delicious. Like The, the top ones. Get Miss me with that coleslaw and honeydew. Miss me with that stuff. But, man, goodness gracious. But I think that's all I've really got for you today. I think that's all I've really got. I saw a thing on uh, Twitter. Who's the greatest? Uh, Not that. Just do all photos. I took a screenshot of it. Where is that? Who's the greatest American character of all time? And the options here are Cap America, Dolly Parton, who is not a character. She's a real, isn't she? She's a real person, right? <laughs> then we got Benjamin Martin uh, from the Patriot. Kenny Powers from East Down, East Bounded Down. Stephen Miller from Independence Day. Rocky Maverick from Top Gun. And then Jack Bauer from 24. Uh, it's Rocky. It's Rocky. He literally defeated the Russians. What more can you say? He defeated the Russians in Russia. That's it. That's all you need to do. Captain America, I have beef with Captain America. Captain America is a dork. Like, my thing with Captain America is that he's, I understand he's got the the will, the drive. He's he's super motivated. He's a, uh, he's a real trooper. In that first Captain America movie, he dies on the grenade, and then he's like, oh, man, we're going to give him the super serum, and we're going to make him super strong and have him be cool. But, man, that dude was nothing without the super serum. Like, if, do you think do you think the Avengers are listening to that skinny ass Steve Rogers originally? Like, you can compare him to like Barry Bonds, but even Barry Bonds before the steroids was still a Hall of Fame player. Like, Steve Rogers was never Captain America before he got the super serum. Like, he's a cheater, absolute cheater. He didn't earn it. Well, maybe he did. Maybe you could say he earned it. I guess, but no, Captain America, screw off, man. But Rocky, Rocky's up there. Rocky's a freaking dude. Now, if there's any characters out there that are not mentioned, who would I put up there? Uh, Hot Rod from from Hot Rod. That's got to be mentioned up there. Who else would be? Who else could I think of that is a super super cool dude? Jim Brown, James Brown, James Brown with the uh, Living in America, who's in Rocky Four when Rocky defeated the Russians. Again, it just keeps coming back to Rocky. So yeah, Rocky's got to be up there. Maybe Jesus Ferreira. Maybe Jesus Ferreira is that one there. <laughs> And then uh, just uh, talking, uh, topping it off here a little bit, we've got we're talking about America sport, football, not not baseball, America sports, football. Which team bandwagon are you hopping on this year? Is Jaguars or Lions? I'll be hopping on the Lions bandwagon because they have zero effect on my life. The Jaguars can screw up a lot of things for me. <laughs> so I'm hopping on the Lions bandwagon this year if I'm doing that one. And yeah. There's a, we got the American underdog story. We got, I, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with that. 
But yeah, that's all I've got for today. I don't even know why I brought up the last thing. That wasn't really something I was kind of talking about. That was just kind of <laughs> Oh, top five AFC receiving cores. Bills and Chiefs. What the hell are they doing there? What the hell are the Bills and Chiefs doing top five receiving cores for Pro Football Focus? What the hell are you basing this off of? First off, who's the Chiefs number one guy? And then number two, who's the Bills number two guy after Stefan Diggs? It's Gabe Davis, but what are numbers are you looking at that suggest that they're above the Chargers? Either one of them. Either one of them. With Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, the Bills and Chiefs don't have anybody that has a number two anywhere near that. So I don't I don't know what the hell they did to swindle their way onto those list. And the Jets. The Jets have a better receiving core than both of those teams as well. So there's another one that you could just completely write off there. Anybody else I'm completely forgetting about, kind of? The Broncos have a better receiving course. They have Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy. They could be mentioned up there. Tim Patrick's also there. I don't know. I don't know what the Bills and the freaking Chiefs did to warrant a spot on that list. But that's all I've got for you today. Hope you guys all have a safe and fun 4th of July weekend. And, yeah, hope you enjoyed the show. If not, I sincerely apologize. And Mexico should have scored but didn't right before halftime. And that should be the end of the first half right there. So we're ending at the same time. But hope you enjoyed. If not, I sincerely apologize. Make sure, again, you follow Logan Blackman Show on every single form of social media. And, yeah, we'll have another United States men's national team preview for you coming up next week or sometime this week before the game on Sunday, which we'll find out the winner, the team they're playing on the 4th of July, which should be fun. And, yeah, hope you enjoyed. I will see you guys all next time. Peace.